All right, that is the sound of the Bradenton Times podcast. I am Mitch Maley, joined by my colleague Don Kitterman. And after a week off, we are back to catch you up on what's been going on in Manatee County. And there has been, as usual, no shortage of stories. Has there, Mrs. Kitterman? And there, there has not, once again. And, you know, I'm, I'm sad that we missed out last week being able to record, but I'm happy to be back. Well, the Bradenton Times on Friday broke the story of Lee Washington. I saw there's some follow-up reporting in a couple of publications today. Correct. But on Friday, we uh, broke the story of Lee Washington having, again, that's the former Manatee County acting administrator. He filled that role when the county parted ways with Scott Hopes. And one of the things that we had heard in the rumor mill was that he had had a demand for his resignation from then Commissioner mm-hmm. Baugh following his removing the deputy, deputy county. Yep. county administrator job that was posted. Mm-hmm. And we had, a, we had, and we've discussed on the podcast a couple of times, we had some insights into what happened, but by being able to access this uh, public record, which came in a request from the Florida Center for Government Accountability, Government Accountability uh, who's always done fine work when it comes down to keeping government in check when it's uh, not operating in the sunshine as Florida law requires. And when we found this complaint that uh, Mr. Washington had filed, which was for whistleblower protection, we had the whole story laid out. So uh, Mr. Washington alleged that he was invited to lunch with Commissioner Ron and Baugh, mm-hmm. and John Mast was there at the lunch when he arrived, and that he was pressured, I guess would be the right word, into hiring Mr. Mast into that deputy administrator position. As Encouraged. We had, <laughs> as we had previously written or, or previously mm-hmm. reported, um, and we, you know, kind of surmised at that time that this was a move to bring him in mm-hmm. and then ease him into the permanent spot. And everybody said, oh no, you're crazy. You're crazy. He would never do that. His wife's running for it and we're doing a national search. We've already promised we're not mm-hmm. going to do that. Right? So we find out, or, or it's alleged that he was encouraged uh, to hire Mr. Mast. When he saw the writing on the wall, he ended up pulling the position, which we knew, and that is when he alleges that Commissioner Baud demanded his resignation. He declined to give it to her. Uh, that week, it was warned that at, well, at that, that morning's meeting, he would, he would be asked. Well, and she told him, based on what he's written in this whistleblower complaint, when she demanded his resignation or requested his resignation, she made it clear to him, if you don't just resign and go, someone is making a motion. Right, that same day, because they met before a meeting on a Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock and the meeting which, was at which, 9. Which points toward another sunshine violation. Right, because, because how she, would you know that correct. someone would be making it? Now, it took another week uh, for that someone to go ahead and make that motion, correct. and that someone was Commissioner Ron from the luncheon. Now, Commissioner Ron said yesterday, rather defensively, when uh, I'm not a big Martin Hyde fan, but it is a little bit entertaining when he shows up and dresses down the commission. It's almost like it over. He's he's from uh, the UK, and it's almost like when they dress down the uh, uh, Parliament and they have that. Uh, at, at this point, 
every new colorful character we can bring into this Netflix why series. Why not, right? Why not? Mix it up a little. So, <laughs> Mr. Ron, uh, Commissioner Ron, very defiantly responded yesterday that he's discussed it with the his version of it with the um, county attorney, and the county attorney says there's no such violation and it's not worth investigating. Now, that's a little bit different. What the county attorney actually pointed out is that the uh, and this is important to understand is that there is there are there's a separate federal statute for federal employees to claim whistleblower. There is a state statute for state employees, and then cities and counties, municipalities can, they may or may not implement their own statutes. Now, Manatee County does have a whistleblower's ordinance that the county commission has put in place. I, I forget what year it was put in place. It was not, it's not that old, uh, but county attorney um, uh, Bill Clegg advised that oddly perhaps, and he sort of pointed that out. You might be surprised by this, I think he said, or, or might seem weird, but it does not apply to county commissioners or elected officials. So it's applies to county employees, subcontractors. If, if it was, you know, a department head and employee or a department head right. and the administrator, those would all be in place, but there is no whistleblower complaint statute in it mm -hmm. and people have asked about that but the truth is it kind of makes sense because in reality county commissioners aren't allowed to fire anyone <laughs> well except for the county administrator except for the county administrator and the attorney and the attorney um and and the problem is though here's the problem their only authority by statute or actually by the by the constitution in this sense since we're a constitutional uh county is that a majority vote of the board can take an action. So an individual right. commissioner has no authority over an, a county administrator, over an employee. And in fact, they're prevented from directing county staff, including the administrator, on an individual basis. So really, all that they can legally do is vote for an ordinance or an action. And if there's a majority, if there's at least four commissioners... Mm -hmm that agree, then that can take place. But as an individual, they are intended to have virtually no power. Now we're in a situation where we know that's definitely not true. And, and it hasn't been true for some time, I suspect. Yes. And the thing that I think I found uh, most interesting when we had copy of that whistleblower complaint was, as you, as you referenced, many things that we were sourcing uh, in the wild out there that, that seemed credible, added up. I was seeing consistency and in information being shared with me. But like you said, we had no, no way to, to prove it out. Um, many of those things were bore out in this in this whistleblower complaint. It all made, it kind of all fit together and made sense right. based on the little pieces that we had heard. I so very clearly, I think we can, we can surmise at this point, the intention was to bring John Mast on as a deputy county administrator mm -hmm. and then go through the same dog and pony show that they went through with the candidates for the permanent and then do the same thing they did with Charlie Bishop, but it would just, would have just been John mass name. And let's, let's be fair. They're kind of interchangeable if we're going to be honest. <clears throat> well, and I think it's important to remember too, in the timeline that this meeting allegedly occurred on March 1st 
it was early January, I believe, that the BIA white paper was delivered to the um, director of development services and uh, some other development services higher level. Yes. Um, and again, that BIA white paper was was born out of, I mean, it was made prior to, but based on what public records is showing, there was a meeting between John Mast, Courtney DePaul, uh, I believe Nicole Knapp was there, perhaps Denise Greer, but but I could be wrong about Knapp or Greer, but definitely Courtney DePaul, John Mast, Amanda Ballard's husband, what is his first name? Um, David. David. David Ballard was there. And then following that meeting, we've seen the emails where it's like, hey, it was great to meet you today. Right. Hey, we're sending over the paper. And John Mast himself is the one who delivered that BIA white paper with those suggested and land code Mr. Changes. Washington said that that was sort of Mr. Ron's or Commissioner Ron's pitch was hey as we're redoing this land development code and comprehensive plan rewrite we sure could use a guy like that in there so I think it was very <laughs> clear that that was the play now if we want to really remember the only thing that kept Mr. Mast probably from from coming in uh as because then the next move was the, the move to make him the interim, mm -hmm. um, which Mr. Ron proposed, which seemed aggressively silly, as mm -hmm. Commissioner George Cruz pointed out with, hey, um, are, are we about to hire somebody in like a month? Like what, uh, what sense whatsoever would it make mm -hmm. to bring a new person on board, a new acting administrator who's just going to be here for this show? They wouldn't even like and, get and, their and, feet on the ground. And again, it's important to know and remember, and we've reported on this and laid this out over many different reports, the specific connection and relationship between Ron and Baugh and the BIA and John Mast. Yes. Um, these people are very friendly. It's not just a business relationship. Yes, in fact, I, I understand that Ron and Mast his family's like vacation together. <laughs> At, um, they did actually. So after Commissioner Ron makes that motion that you're speaking of and tries to get rid of Lee and bring in Mast, I believe it was either the week or the week after that, Ron was suddenly missing from at least two, maybe three meetings in a row. He was nowhere to be seen. I began putting feelers out there and seeing what I could find out. It took me a little while. I have now heard from more than one reliable source, and I'm going to say reliable based on they have shared with me how they know what they know. Um, he was on a vacation at that time. In the weeks following making the motion, he was vacationing Mr. Ron with his girlfriend, with Mr. Mast, with Wet Mast's wife, and perhaps another couple was there. And, of course, uh, Commissioner Ron himself comes from the... Correct. BIA. And, uh, and as Vanessa does, Baugh's yeah, husband. Is on the board as well. Uh, Donald Baugh, who I understand and, Vanessa and, and Donald are very good personal friends with Mr. Mass and his and, wife as well. And Amanda Ballard's husband was previously sitting in the BIA board. And as a full-time employee. As correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he isn't any longer, but at the time of that meeting and the in the transferring of the, the passing on of the white paper, yeah, it, these, yes, there's a lot of connections there yeah so if you if you really get down to it so then when ron makes that proposal as absurd as it seems 
Because again, if you actually were doing a national search, it would make no sense whatsoever, especially since nobody had a reason on why Lee Washington needed to be replaced in the midnight hour before you were going to make your final decision and why you would have to transition leadership again. Uh, although again, <laughs> the obvious answer is because Lee Washington wasn't playing ball and wasn't doing as he was told, wasn't accepting the direction from individual commissioners that <laughs> isn't binding. Uh, so we, we have all this laid out. He, he asks for this to happen. And if you remember, the only reason it really didn't was there was that little riff going on between the board chair, Commissioner Kevin Van Austenbridge, and Commissioners Satcher, James Satcher, and Jason Bearden, in which Bearden and Satcher, and this goes back even to that, you know, the whole thing that probably ousted uh, Commissioner Baugh, which was that attempted coup in which they all started getting, it would seem, a little bit upset about Kevin having all of the insight and information and seeming to have a bat line to all the uh, actings and deputies and everybody in, in the high levels of the administration. And they didn't want Kevin negotiating on his own with mass. They felt for some reason that they're locked out of this sort of thing and they want the whole board to do it together. The County attorney says, you know, that's not advisable for this reason or whatever. And Almost, I think, as a, as a well, fine, you take it type move, they end up saying, well, okay, Bearden, you, you do it. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I nominate you. Go ahead. You, you do the negotiations. And <laughs> 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 Mr. Magoo goes in there, and uh, he, he you know, look, to be honest, to be fair, um, he did have good points about the salary and, and 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 he didn't he didn't go in and say hey mr mass this is what we'll give you he said hey mr mass let us know what you want he took a look at that and was like yeah that's not happening <laughs> right so in all fairness to uh, commissioner bearden he did the right thing yes, in that regard he looked at it and said well this if, is nuts <laughs> if hopes is worth all this money because he had a phd and you don't and you don't have any experience as an administrator. And you're only going to be interim. Right. You're only going to be active. Then I don't know why we would give you more Correct. than the last full-time person. Great points, Commissioner Beard. Now, it's not often you'll hear those words from me, um, but very great points. And Mast apparently just said, all right, forget it then. I, I'm out. Because my understanding was there was already money talked about when they were looking at it the first time. And my understanding, this is again only coming from rumors, my understanding was that number was considerably higher. And that would make sense that there would have been, I mean, especially given what we can sure. prove out now, or at least, um, you know, have tangibly, I guess we still have to say what, what, is what is in, yes, what Lee has in his, his whistleblower complaint, uh, Lee Washington is technically alleged. If we assume that's true, then we would have to assume there was at least a little kicked around of like, what kind of, what are we talking here before we have a lunch, right? Right, right. Before, before and, we and, get down to brass tacks, what and are you we? Wouldn't, and you wouldn't assume that um, Mr. Mast had showed up to that meeting unaware that somebody might suggest like, hey, you should appoint this guy as a deputy. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm. Sure, there were conversations. So the number I believe that Mr. Bearden scoffed at was somewhere around two hundred twenty or two hundred twenty-five thousand. I believe for base salary. And again, you got to remember, a base salary really doesn't mean nothing in this position because you already have deferred compensation. So deferred compensation is a very typical sort of a C-suite 
little fringe benefit where it does two things. One, when you're, especially when you're a public bureaucrat, it makes your salary sound less because everybody always quotes your base salary. But then they, they say, well, what we'll also do is we'll pay you the maximum of what the IRS allows people to take in what's called deferred compensation. What that's there for, it's this little sort of tax perk where uh, you defer part of your income and it, and it gets adjusted with inflation all the time. This year, I believe is 22,500 is the maximum that you can defer tax-free. So it goes into an account tax-free when you earn it and then you withdraw it later and the thinking you pay the taxes at the time of the withdrawal and the thinking is you withdraw while you're in retirement and your salary's lower that way you're in a lower tax bracket so instead of losing more in taxes when you're don't need that money as much mm -hmm. you keep more of it later when you do uh not really inequitable it's it's a way to hide taxes in it in it in a sense, that's really all it is. Um, but it never really, it always annoys me. It never gets included. They're always like, their salary is this much. It's like, yeah, but you forgot that 22,500. That's half of what some workers at the county make in a year that's just sitting over there deferred. It's still taxpayer mm -hmm. money. So when you look at the fact that it looks like the county vehicle instead of the allowance is the new thing now. So a county vehicle. I'm sure he'll be, I wonder if he'll get new vanity plates on, uh, on Hope's old car. Uh, county vehicle a $220,000 base salary, but tucked into there is, hey, we just voted a 3% cost of living adjustment to every county employee. You'll also get that as well. So now we're up to about $248,000, top of the head? Uh, no, no, it would be- No, no, with the 3% plus the- Oh, oh, oh right. The third comp. I think we're at about 248. I'm going to 226 plus 22. Yeah. 248 and change. And that, in that 226, six, which again, that will be his base salary within 30 days of taking the job. Yeah. Not even 30. Yeah. Um, and that exceeds the number. Now, again, Mr. Mast would have been coming in as interim and, and Bishop's going to be the permanent. Uh, but nobody gave any hesitation in the meeting yesterday. No, that was, that was the point I was going to bring up is that, uh, I did not hear Mr. Bearden point out that, Hey, um, since he doesn't have a doctorate and since he doesn't really have any experience, I mean, he's been a longtime County employee, but let's be honest, he only got promoted to deputy County administrator in 2021 and by Scott hopes. And let's, you know, it wasn't really a meritocracy. And there were some things that went down during his tenure in that yeah. role. Yeah. So you can't really claim that as a top of the line resume um, item, in my opinion, because if you're doing unpermitted work, is uh, uh, what what was the head of his department when he was on property management? Yeah, property management, mm -hmm. and he's overseeing the. Uh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of sort of like. Um, and then there was the matter of the after, was it The after? drone contract with was his ex-girlfriend. Was, was that after Irma? What? No, that was after, wasn't that? Uh, I can't remember. The hurricanes all blend together. And why do they all have I names? But it was Irma, Ian was the most recent one. What was the one in between those two? I thought they were back to back, I think. Were they? Maybe. No, maybe. Or, anyway. So maybe that, was maybe a, that drone matter might have been something that took place possibly before he was deputy, but I 
thought that also went down while he was deputy. Close to that timeline. And the point is, they're all they're, they're all in Manatee County's experience with this gentleman. And the idea that you would take somebody with that thin of a resume and that many you know strikes against them and make them the highest paid county administrator ever, you know, blow past what you're going to pay mass, pay more than you paid hopes, pay significantly more than you paid uh, Sherry Corrier. Mm -hmm. And let's go back to that. The thinking with Sherry Corrier was, yes, you're the new county administrator, but no, we're not going to pay you exactly what we've been paying Ed Hunziker, who has a lot more experience. Like the idea that the starting point for every new person is the finishing point for the last person doesn't make any sense because that last person, if they spent time there, they've gained more experience and they've been taken kind of to the top of the scale. And if you bring somebody in that has less experience, which we've done every single time. So Corey had less administrative experience than Hunziker did. Hopes had considerably less than Corey did. Um, Mr. Bishop has less than Hopes did. Well, and Lee Washington was in there too. Granted, he wasn't a permanent. And Lee Washington's was was not as high. Um, they didn't give Lee Washington Hopes' salary, did they? I don't believe so. I don't recall off the top of my head. Uh, so I, I, I don't believe it, it so, was not. but I do Yeah, not it was not. I don't recall what it was, but it certainly wasn't the same as what Hopes got. So it seems like when it's convenient, we say, oh, we'll just you know start where the last guy left off and maybe tack a little bit on. Um, and when it's not, then it's, oh, we're going to, we're going to drop that down. Uh, but anyway, that's where we're at with it. Charlie Bishop is the highest paid employee in the County and the highest and, paid administrator ever. And I will ever. say, I think per his resume, um, you know, just if we're going to do apples to apples, apples to oranges, whatever, I do think he does have a degree in public administration, uh, which he obtained possibly while he was in the military. Um, so it, older degree you know and i mean not that your degree doesn't still exist but i would think that in that sort of field and in most fields of expertise practices change approaches change i don't know how fresh. and it's not like a phd i don't, I don't even no, know if it's no, a graduate no, no, degree no, no. and the uh the other part let's just put it this way he would not on paper have been seen by a recruiting firm as a viable candidate. He did not meet the criteria of what we set out to have in terms of the appropriate level of executive experience. Correct. And I think it's worth noting he also did not apply for the job. Correct. <laughs> so essentially, I think what you got was interchangeable parts in John Mast and Charlie Bishop, which mm -hmm. was what we're really looking for is somebody that Pat Neal and Carlos Baruf will give a thumbs up to that we know isn't going to get in the way. Hey, and can we go back to what you were saying with the with the John Mass thing and uh, Mr. Hyde in his comments and Commissioner Ron's reply yes. to that? Because Ron alleges that, as you said, he doesn't agree with Washington's take on that situation. But the one thing he's alleging is that the meeting was actually set by him between him and Washington the intent of it was for him to introduce Washington to Mast because Mast is the highest person over the largest building industry association and Washington is now the county administrator. So in 
Ron's mind, so he says, it seemed advantageous that the two should meet and know one another and that Vanessa Ball, Commissioner Ball at the time, was not included or invited to that meeting but showed up unannounced and then just like joins the table. And, you know, in that reporting that you said uh, came out today in both the Herald, uh, the Braden Herald and the Sarasota Herald Tribune, uh, Mr. Mass is is quoted in both of those, again, saying similarly- Mass or Ron? Excuse me, Commissioner Ron, saying similarly uh, what he said to Mr. Hyde yesterday. There's one here where it says, in, er, in an interview with the Bradenton Herald, Ron confirmed that he invited Mast in Washington to meet with him at O'Bricks in downtown Bradenton. Shortly after the meeting began, he said Baugh, whom he had not invited, took a seat at the table and ordered food. Here's another one. Ron has denied any wrongdoing and has argued that Washington's complaint is actually aimed at Commissioner Baugh. Uh, here's a quote again from him, this one also in the Braden and Herald. There's no violation of sunshine. There was a lunch. The other commissioner was uninvited. They just showed up. And actually, I guess that's the quote from what he said to Hyde, which he then followed by saying to Hyde quite indignantly, if you feel there's a claim, the state attorney's on the sixth floor. You're welcome to go see him. I was like, wow. Yeah, it's very brazen. I, I think it says two things. I think one, they think that they're operating under the cover of a of a Republican state attorney's office uh, that perhaps won't go after political allies. And I think also it's kind of pointing out the part of once you talk to an attorney on an issue like that, which he said he's contacted personal counsel, mm -hmm. I think you are going to get a little brazen because you're going to realize that, well, unless... Baugh or and or Mast, your vacation buddy, right. is going to testify against you and throw you under the bus, you're fine because it's going to remain hearsay. So again, let me explain. So it becomes a he said, we said. Right. And yeah, it's three to one. So let me explain a couple of things to readers that, that based on extensive comments that we've gotten. First one being a lot of people asked, why did he withdraw his mm -hmm. complaint when he resigned? That That's kind of self-explanatory. A whistleblower complaint, really on two levels. First, it only protects you while you're an employee. So at the point in which he resigned, there would be no need or or um, validity for having whistleblower protection. He's leaving. The, 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 they mutually agreed on his departure. The uh, other part was he had, if he would have, if it would have remained, we already saw the draft response from the county attorney's office in which they opined that there's nothing for them to investigate anyway. So it wouldn't have remained. That would have just been released and they would have said, according to that statute, <coughs> commissioners are not subject to that ordinance and there's nothing for us to investigate. So that was kind of dead in the water. Now, in terms of you, why isn't this getting prosecuted, you're 100% correct. This, as alleged, is an obvious sunshine violation. More than one. This, and it would also confirm uh, what is statutorily called malfeasance on terms of the officers from directing the employees mm -hmm. without authority. So there, there, there's a lot of there there. But again, this is why it's so hard to prosecute sunshine violations unless someone gets caught with it documented. So whether it's a, an event that was recorded or 
you know, it's via email or it's via texts or something of that nature, it becomes a he said, she said, or he said, he said, or whatever the case is. And in this case, you have three people who are thick as thieves together that are most likely in the wrong. And then you have the person saying, hey, something wrong happened here. That's not a great case to take on if you're an assistant state attorney. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're just the, the idea that you're going to get a conviction with three people saying, no, that was misinterpreted. Again, we just wanted to introduce some. We, it would be extremely well, it, and And now we can see from what, what Commissioner Ron is saying, it, it's his hot take that Commissioner Baugh even being at that meeting was happenstance. I guess right. she just happened to wander in which by the way doesn't change anything because if somebody wanders in and sits down whenever two elected officials are in a room discussing anything that is or may be coming before their body it is by default a public meeting and a public meeting must be noticed in advance minutes must be taken uh, uh, the public must be invited and be allowed to give comment. And and to be clear, yes, the county administrator hires or selects deputies, typically, um, but deputy and director positions do go before the board because they must be confirmed Correct. under them. It comes as a recommendation. Here's a quote from Ron in the Sarasota Herald Tribune reporting today. It says, the county attorney explained that there really was no violation, Ron told the Herald Tribune. He said he only introduced Washington to Mast and suggested him as a potential candidate for the vacant third deputy administrator role. There was really no talk of hiring him, pressuring him to hire him. So in my view, there was no violation because nothing was offered, nothing was given, or anything like that, Ron said. I didn't do anything wrong, and it didn't meet the standards for a whistleblower complaint. Well, again, he's mincing words there. If it didn't meet the standard, it's because the ordinance doesn't apply to commissioners. It's a Mm -hmm. loophole. Mm -hmm. It does. So even what he's saying does because there were two commissioners present. So that's the that's the problem. He's basically acknowledging that uh, that the other one was there, but just because they, he's claiming they weren't invited, that doesn't change the nature of it. And in fact, it doesn't even change it if you're sitting at a table next to them. Like that, that is up to the the uh, the steward of of public records, the, which each individually elected person is. That is up to them to to discern that and say and i've seen that happen i've seen commissioners walk out of forums on, on numerous occasions where it was i can't discuss this uh, you know public town hall uh there's two of us here i can't be here and even if the as let's just go with commissioner ron's version that he was just setting up this meeting prudently so these two could meet even if uh there was some vague direction to Lee Washington that the board wanted to suggest, hey, you should really hire another deputy. You could use the help, okay? As you explained earlier, that should have come out in a public meeting correct? where they agreed collectively, they being the board, to make that direction and have that conversation with Mr. Washington. Hey, we trust you to go do this. And then the process is, which there was a process, the, the, the position was posted, applications were taken. It seems outside the scope to me 
that a commissioner would be arranging a one-on-one with one of the applicants with one of the applicants, whether he had already applied or intended to apply, because that is an advantage over everyone else who might've applied to that position. I mean, there's everything about this just does not smell good. No, because (laughs) what, what, and what I believe the public should take from this is regardless of what can meet the threshold of a sunshine violation in a court of law, regardless, you have just gotten the curtain pulled back even further. And what you're seeing is that there is not a public process of elected officials representing their constituency. There is this cartel mentality Mm -hmm. in which these puppet elected officials take direction from the people who buy their seats and then have these behind closed door machinations happening in which what is supposed to be public business is being decided by special interests Mm -hmm. outside of the sunshine. This is the whole reason Florida has such stringent sunshine laws is because it has been such a corrupt place for so long. There have been so many of these egregious backroom deals exposed out in the open to where finally the very people who were benefiting had to say, okay, in order to have any sort of, you know, appearance of officialdom with the public, we've got to have something here so that, that they have some trust in the process and, and their government itself. And that's what we've come up with. Uh, the idea now, are they very easy to skirt? If you're shrewd about it, yes, it's very difficult to to know what two commissioners might be talking about at each other's houses on a weekend or something like that when there's not some sort of record that can be requested. Uh, and, you know, is there little doubt that that all kinds of things like this take place? Of course they do. This just gives you a window when they get sloppy and lazy into what's almost certainly going on on a very regular basis and why there's this massive turnover in you know, uh, personnel at the county and the loss, the massive loss of institutional knowledge that that's been, you know, just ravaged upon our local government resources in these, in these past two to three years, this gives you a window into it. It's that simple of, we got to get our guy in there Mm -hmm. so that we can get our, our stuff done, our checklist taken care of. Not, we have to have the best and brightest people running county government for the sake of the community and the future of all that we hold dear. No, instead, we just we, we got a checklist of things that we got to do for our real bosses. And they're not the people that vote. They're the people that, that, that you know, read the mailers that are sent by our real bosses and, and you know, fall in line. Yeah. Now, um, on, a, on, a, on a next topic, did you, you watched all of yesterday's meeting? So we're recording on Wednesday. Yesterday yes. was Tuesday. There was a regular meeting. Just about all of it. Which part are you referring to? Did you watch the portion where we are now a sanctuary city to the Bill of Rights or whatever? Sanctuary that one I didn't County? get to. <laughs> okay. That was an interesting one. There wasn't a whole lot of dialogue around it. But, um, you know, when I saw it on the agenda, I thought to myself, this is interesting considering how much we've heard from the public the frustration we've we've received emails about it people have asked whether or not you know can i file an ethics complaint about this matter um how uh we see it on social media they say it in public comments at the meetings all around 
the public call-in comments, mm-hmm. ha- the, the way that those were removed, remember, because that wasn't a board vote that got rid of that. Kevin did that unilaterally. There were, co- just, there were COVID measure, COVID's over, I'm moving He just walked it. in yeah. and said, hey, I'm doing this. And that agenda for that meeting was the agenda that had the, it was a, it was a land use meeting. It had the Taylor Ranch item on it, the rezone approval. That was the meeting where there were like, what, 15,000 people watching the YouTube, mm-hmm. another 5,000 at the county yeah, building. The motor speedway. Um, yeah, the motor speedway situation. Up until that morning, the meeting agenda, like all prior meeting agendas before it, ever since call and comment became a thing, advertised if you want to make a call and comment this is how you do it this is the number you call this is your meeting id but the morning of the meeting a new agenda went up which removed all of that information there was no agenda update showing the change because it wasn't an item right Mm -hmm. but it was changed literally an hour before that meeting was called to order and then the first matter that kevin did when he sat down with the gavel was "Ah, i'm gonna get rid of this now and unless anybody objects okay it's gone um and 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 i if i recall he even said something i'm gonna exercise my authority as the chair which uh, yes which i was like like, come again what um so that has been an ongoing thing so now apparently i don't know if several of our commissioners don't understand everything that's in the Bill of Rights. No, I think they only, they, they I think they stop pick, at the Second Amendment. <laughs> they cherry pick what's and in the Bill the of Rights. They skip the first and stop at the second. I think that's about and, it. And, and while there was not a lot of, and, then that, and that was something that immediately occurred to me. Isn't this interesting? How can we be a sanctuary for something when, frankly, as a citizen, and I know many citizens feel this way, their, their right to free speech is being hindered. Their access is being hindered. And we've even seen citizens who have gone up to in person have taken time out of their lives to be there to make a public comment. And if the chair <clears throat> decides you're off topic, if that person dares say, hey, your votes from the dais today is going to affect our votes at the ballot box, you're out of order. Shut that yeah. down. I'll have a bailiff come over. You know, that is also, folks, that's a First Amendment right. Like, I don't think that that is how that should and be And a going. couple of readers have pointed out on multiple occasions when the chair himself has referenced upcoming elections, sometimes to other commissioners, that they'll be held accountable, there'll be elections coming up. Right. to have that on the... So, 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 so we've got a commission, apparently, or at least six of them. Well, I, I do believe in the end this was passed unanimously, um, and I can explain that in a minute, what was said to that end. Uh, what, what does, does it have any teeth whatsoever? It, what does, it does nothing. Okay. It literally does nothing. And that's just part, and that's part of why like it a, was passed yeah, unanimously. Yeah. So it, the only, like I said, there was very little discussion. There was some quipping back and forth because Commissioner Cruz dared to reference the same thing that occurred to me when I saw it on the agenda, which was, I, I don't remember exactly how he, he, he pointed it out. The first part of what he said, though, was interesting that the First Amendment, and here we have this agenda item that was added to the agenda with an update after the deadline had passed for written public comment, thereby circumventing the public's, you know, whether they were in support of this, they loved this idea, they didn't love this idea, they were in opposition. We already cut out one way for them to comment because it was too late to give written comment. 
And since nobody wants to bring back call-in comments, their only option at that point was to try and get Tuesday off of work or rearrange their schedule to be here and wait until 3 p.m. when we finally got to this subject matter to have their say about it. So he did point out the hypocrisy in that, which I'm glad somebody's there to do that at this point, um, but it was completely ignored by anyone else up there. Uh, they just kind of talked over it. Like it really seemed like, again, kind of like the uh, the first abortion sanctuary city for the unborn thing that was going on before the last election. I got the sense that that was some sort of quote-unquote diabolical move to put certain um, incumbent commissioners on their toes in a bad yes, position yes. to debate. No question. Right? And I think this, it was It was for a glossy mailer against the two Republicans that right. were going to get and primaried I, by the developers. And yes. I think this was a very similar thing based on what I saw go down. I got the sense that they were attempting to pigeonhole Cruz into a place where he would Not speak it, against right, this right. thing and then they could say, yeah. he doesn't even support the Bill of Rights. Um, it, it makes one wonder if maybe a certain political consultant who t seems to be very active with the commission might be suggesting some of these you think baloney ordinances <laughs> that, that mean nothing, uh, but but seem like they'd be good weaponry in a you know ad campaign. But I but I will clarify that um, if you go back and, and and watch the little bit of discussion there was, Commissioner Cruz does say, "Hey, I'm going to support this," and let me tell you why, not verbatim, um, because this doesn't do anything. It's not harmful. My problem with the nonprofit you know, money can't go to anybody affiliated with um, Planned Parenthood was that could actually have unintended bad outcome. There could be consequences of that language and that's not what we agreed to. And the the Second Amendment thing, uh, the, my problem with that was it could have cost us money because they're- The lawsuits, know, yes. Right, right. Because apparently we're going to sue the federal government. He said, it, the way this one is written- it just doesn't do anything. It just is what it is. So I can support it, but you know, I don't really know the point of it, but okay. And, and then again, he pointed out the hypocrisy of, isn't it funny? Here we are calling ourselves a sanctuary city or whatever for the bill of rights while also not maybe liking all of the amendments in the bill of rights or protecting them also, I guess they're protecting us from the federal government kind of sort of, which they can't really do because that's not how it works, but they aren't protecting. Isn't, us that, isn't that kind of a uh, funny when they do that whole, like we will not let the federal government come in here. It's like, who's going to stop the federal government exactly? <laughs> These seven <laughs> clowns up here, what are you guys going to be out there with shovels and <laughs> I don't know. We it got was our AR-15s. We're gonna stop. Come on. It was. It was really silly. I don't. It, that's exactly it's right. Theater. I don't know what the point of it was outside of being. Theater. Now on, on the let's let's shift over to the good news. Potentially, mm -hmm. is we're starting to see some opposition candidates in which maybe some of this could be cured at the ballot box. And so far, we've got two candidates who filed to run against incumbent District Three Commissioner and Chair Kevin Van Ostenbridge. Uh, he, he, as we wrote last week, he drew a Republican primary challenge from Tal Sadiq, 
who is a very impressive young man. I met him at uh, Leadership Manatee about two weeks ago. I was doing the media panel, and I was extremely impressed with uh, his ability to articulate public policy, and um, I think he's definitely somebody to watch. Uh, young. Energetic. Young, energetic, plugged Co in. Community-oriented. Yes. oriented deep mm -hmm. ties to the community. He's going to be a very, very interesting candidate. And uh, <laughs> put it to you this way. Uh, he might not have the developer fundraising machine behind him, but good God, if I only imagine him and Commissioner Van Ossenbridge on debate stage, it would be <laughs> it'd be a mismatch. Well, Let's and, put it that way. and you know where where Tall first caught my eye was when he started showing up to the. Well, he, he had been coming for public comment, but when he started, he, he would introduce himself back then. He, I believe that he had said that he was a member of the Young Republicans Club, uh, maybe of Sarasota or Manatee. I don't remember which. Uh, does Manatee have one? Is it, yes. is it maybe a combined? I don't no, know. No, I think Manatee has some. <clears throat> but um, when he started showing up to speak against, I believe it was the BIA white paper and the comp plan rewrite and, and some of the suggested changes to the land code, and he started speaking out um, pretty directly about his own concerns about special interest influence, uh, conservation of natural resources, he then created that Speak Up Manatee, I think it was called, like a yes. like an activist group, mm -hmm. and he started coming in his t-shirt and speaking and and having other people and speaking them, and and what impressed me about that at the time was, I thought finally we have somebody who is through and through been a registered Republican involved in Republican clubs. And as we've talked about before, it's it's troubled me that I know that there are people in high, low places in elected offices or, or formally that are not speaking out publicly about how wrong they know much of this is because yeah. they kind of want to stay out of the fray and not get involved in how well, ugly politics is. So, so I was impressed that he was readily willing to speak yes. to it. And here's what you're seeing. What was the first thing? He was a skunk at a garden party in the Republican circles once he started doing that because as you reported previously, he was the name, one of oh, the yeah, two names. Oh, yeah, he was targeted by... Yes. By, yeah. Yeah. Remind, remind our listeners. Yes, there was that text message blast that um, political consultant, strategist, operative, Anthony Pettacini had sent to all of the commissioners. At least I've seen record of it having gone to Commissioner Satcher, Commissioner Ballard, Commissioner Bearden, Commissioner Cruz. I've never seen any text messages of Mike Rons. I've never seen, I, I did not see one to ball that uh, on this point. And I've never seen text messages of, of Van Austin Bridges unless they're showing up in other people's text message records in a public record request. So that's an interesting little side point. Um, but the message said to people, we, Anthony's counting himself as a we, we cannot appoint to anything was Tala Sadiq and, which is Tal, and Kurt Mattingly, who mm. my understanding is Kurt once ran for a commission Palmetto, seat in Palmetto. Yeah. Um, and I believe he formerly was also on the MPO and was maybe trying to get back onto the MPO. And I believe Tall at the time had put in an application for LMAC, which makes sense mm -hmm. given everything I had just explained about his significant concern about preservation and conservation and, and uh, natural resources and water source and 
Um, so yeah, so he was targeted. And then we had that other weird little incident, which maybe it was a nothing, maybe it was a fluke, but there was that we were hearing from the community who were really concerned. There was a Manatee government Facebook page post that came out right around this same period of time that Mr. Pettacini was disseminating this directive to everybody, which to be clear, that text message went to all those commissioners' phones on the same date, most of them within the same minute. Some were like a minute or two later. Um, was that Mr. Pettacini or was that somebody else who was suggesting that that name be added to the list? I don't know. But um, there was a, a post on the Manatee Gov page. And it, it should be clear, there were already rumors that Tall was going to run for the district three seat when that happened. So that that sort of really flavored it in the idea that this is Van Ostenbridge or Van Ostenbridge's consultant saying we don't want to elevate this guy's racist Correct. signal in any way, Correct. because you know we don't want to give him any uh, anything to add to like a public policy. Resume. And then and then Tall, uh, Mayor Gene Brown, and Commissioner Van Ostenbridge had all participated in a Salvation Army event across. The, mm -hmm. I believe it was in the courtyard of the. Uh, clerk or historic uh, clerk building and there were photos taken and there was a post initially put out by Manatee Gov on their Facebook page and their Instagram which shared photos of volunteers who were at this event and one of those photos was like the Salvation Army what do you call the the costume people what are those the officers like? I guess or no 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 the mascot oh okay. um the mascot and Gene Brown and Van Austin Bridge and Tull were all standing in a line. There might have been another uh, another uh, volunteer in there that I don't know who they were. But uh, then that was changed. That post was taken down and was reposted, and the photo was reframed to cut Tull out of it. Interesting. Right, and people immediately, when that was going on, my phone started blowing up. People were sending me screenshots. and Were the county governments own well uh, the, the county when the when the communication post, arms be serving the political aspirations of the incumbents when when the post went up the second time and and i reported on this and i disclosed this there was a little disclaimer in the second post that said you know from coming from the county or whoever runs that facebook page saying hey we inadvertently double post this one post the photo was edited that's because instagram automatically squares your photos it was unintentional We've corrected it. We apologize. And maybe it was just an accident, but given the text message right, you find right. out about late, it just, it, things always seem. It was greasy. And the. Uh, greasy. <laughs> the, the other part, though, that, that this really speaks to is the way that he was attacked instantly mm -hmm. and the way that so many other Republicans are feeling that. Like I saw Glenn Gibellina at the meeting yesterday mm -hmm. putting up a email that he got from Ben Austin bridge and he okay. entered into the public record because it, it said something, the effect of, let me think exactly. It, it was something like you, you continue to sound more and more or less and less conservative. Glenn, what's going on? Like what's his response? To something? Well, and at the, at the meeting prior a week ago, 
Glenn made public comment on an issue important to him. And here's another matter where Van Austin Bridge tried to shut it down and say that it was irrelevant to the topic, which it really wasn't. And, and ultimately, Van Austin Bridge let him speak. But then after Glenn walked away from the podium, Van Austin Bridge took the opportunity to say, and he was ill-informed, referring to Glenn, as he always is or often is. And I was like, wow, what have we come to? I, I actually, I actually, there was a, there was a post by Mr. Gibellina on Facebook. He, he often tags us mm. in our publication and things he shares to draw our attention to it. And there was a post from that day in that public comment. And I actually responded to him and apologized on behalf of my district commissioner because Van Austin Bridge is my representative. And I, I, that was it. That was absolutely out of line. N nobody should. Well, be and that's that the larger way. point is that, and. Glenn is a conservative by any definition I could possibly right. think of. But the, 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 the tactic here, and so many of them now are starting to see it, uh, I can see that when our content gets shared among these conservative groups mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, you know, I know this is a leftist rag and everything, but uh, boy, they, they have screenshots and they're, they're showing the text and I don't know what to think of it. And you can see their heads starting to spin and my reaction is the same as it's always been is, is that you understand that we're only the quote unquote liberal rag because that's what you say about the publication that airs your dirty laundry when right. you don't want them to is you say, hey, hey, our people don't look over there. They, they, they have they have, you know, uh, uh, their intent is malicious. They, they're, they just want to say bad things about Republicans like we hear all the time. Why are you saying the same things about Democrats? Listen, folks, I hate to break it to you, but the entire commission is run by Republicans. Our major government in the county and our entire government in the state is run by Republicans. We don't have the opportunity to be very critical about Democrats. So if we're opining on something that you disagree on our principles or something like that, that's one thing. Show me anywhere, particularly in your reporting, which is straight news investigative right. reporting with no, look, I'm an opinion columnist. You want to draw <clears throat> conclusions off of it based on the fact that the people that I'm constantly critical of seem to be Republicans because again, the entirety of all the things that I cover happen to be run by Republicans. But look at just the straight news aspect of it and tell me what part of that is somehow ideological bias we can't help it when they do these things right all we do is report that right this here's idea what they've done. this idea exactly this idea that i'm trying to make anybody look any sort of way all i'm trying to do is share the truth if i can verify it and pan it out which is why i go to painstaking steps to link to it but i don't want anybody to take my word for it i i didn't like it when i wasn't in this industry if you will having to fact check and because because many media outlets and publications you don't have access right. to that stuff and right? they pitch to one so side you, or the other so you've you got have to, you've yeah. got to go and you've got to look at reuters and ap and google this and search that and vet this and this source and try to feel where, where where's the commonality and what can i actually prove and know to myself and i remember when you offered me to come in as an intern one of the um uh, intern one of the things that i asked of you was would you and the publisher support me as much as possible sharing with the public my my work documents so that i can always show people 
where I'm sourcing the information I'm I'm laying the out was, for them. Absolutely, that has always been the core mission of our paper is to exactly. show, don't tell. And yes, we offer analysis of this is what I believe this means for the community. That's what my column is about. That is my expertise as a student of public policy and a longtime journalist and a longtime editor saying, this is what I feel about these decisions based upon those informed uh, articles that we present to you. So here's what we've been able to show you. Here's my opinion on it. Those are two very different things. And the idea that those people are starting to come around now and realize, oh, we were wrong. Right. We, we were we were duped. We mm-hmm. listened to the the words and we, you know, saw the Trumpian part of these candidates and said, oh, we're going to make Manatee County great again. And they were all just full of nonsense. It was all just a lie. They were all just trying to get into mm-hmm. office so that they can do what their developers wanted them to do. And then they were going to laugh at us once we got there and mm-hmm. say, you know, walking on down the line, we'll buy our election again mm-hmm. next time. And a lot of these people are coming around to that idea, but I still don't know that they wouldn't fall for it again. That's really what makes me uncomfortable is that it still seems like they're waiting for some ideologue to say the right mouth sounds in the right way that they could trust will come in. And, you know, many of these same groups and voters back then, the only thing that was important to them was COVID theater and punishing people who signed up on a toothless mask ordinance that local businesses were asking for, you know, uh, uh, and then somehow conflating the governor's stay at home order with our local county commissioners, which was a weird little, you know, mm-hmm. switcheroo that everybody and it was ideologically an, it went was, along It was an with. intentional switcheroo. Yeah. And, and, and that's the problem here that these tricks are going to play out again yes. as we move into this next, you, you know, now that there is, uh, I will tell you, I know we're kind of running long here. There was shared with me, there was a post on social media where some citizen awareness group, political group had shared the reporting of the text messages that I had done recently with Commissioner Ballard, Cruz, and Satcher, again, with Anthony Pettacini, and they shared this post. They said, you know, this is very concerning to us as conservatives. We should be questioning this. And there was one comment when it was screenshot and sent over to me, and that comment was from Mr. Pettacini. And the comment said something like, you do know this is run by a bunch of liberals, right? And I read it, and I thought, oh, even if that were true, even if that were true, how does that mean that the text messages aren't relevant anymore? Because we must have just made them up. But nobody sued but, us but over these, that. <laughs> but these are the tricks. This no, is no, the No, no, you're mental... 100% right. The, the thing is, is that whenever somebody attacks the source and not the substance, then you have to immediately yes. turn your attention back on the attacker. Because yes. there's a reason why mm-hmm. they're not defending the substance and saying, hey, listen, I can explain all of this in a very no it's they're the enemy why listen to the enemy uh real quick i also want to mention diana shoemaker who is the former ceo of habitat for humanity manatee county um long time very successful there uh we reported on sunday i believe that uh she's running as a democrat in district three uh so you know, Mr. Van Ostenbridge, if he if if he runs in District Three, we'll have to contend with Mr. Sadiq in the primary, and then Mrs. Shoemaker in the general election. And boy, I'll tell you what; those are two very articulate, uh, well-informed candidates. I watched Mrs. Shoemaker's uh, TEDx talk, which we 
embed it in the article and I was extremely impressed and would recommend people listen to that. And the thing I'll say is District 3, that's an interesting district because it's smaller not only in population than most of the other districts, it's also geographically dense. It's small in area. So it is a place where you've got the islands already. I think they're going to do most of the work for you. And then you've got Cortez and West Bradenton. I don't think Van Austin Bridge has many friends in any of those places. I can't imagine why. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. We're going to wrap it up there. As always, join us Sunday for our weekly Sunday edition, www.thebradentontimes.com, fact-based news and analysis without an agenda.